Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the next two hours live on the air before we go into the special after-hour extra recording session. Uh, I am your host, Steve Kent, and I am joined uh, by Lou. We We did have somebody who it appeared they were on a Skype call. Uh, it was a Skype number that was showing up on here, but they, I guess they just disconnected. Um, if you guys want to talk some sports with us, though, you can call in at 657-383-1308. Uh, like I said, we'll be on the line for the next two hours uh, before we go into the hour after show. Uh, Lou, uh, I don't know if you got my message last week. Uh yeah, Sorry about the la- about the last minute uh, about the last minute cancellation, but my my body was just not feeling up to it uh, for some reason. It, it, like my entire body completely shut down last week out of nowhere. Uh, but luckily, COVID? I'm feeling better. Uh, no, it wasn't COVID, but I think I, I think oh, I must have gotten like food poison. I, I think I must have gotten like food poisoning ah. or something at the casino the night before. Or food poisoning, or maybe time. you know, maybe somebody, maybe somebody who who uh, who ended up going there sick ended up touching the same machine that I was at. I don't know, uh, but yeah, you know, needless to say, I was yeah, it, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't yeah, I was incapacitated. It wasn't a it wasn't a good picture at all for me uh, last no. Saturday night. But uh, because of that, we uh, I'm basically kind of going to combine both agendas uh, that we uh, had for okay. both last week and this week. Uh, well, quite frankly, I didn't really take much notes uh, except some of the big stories that came out this week. Uh, we have NBA. We're going to go over NBA free agency, uh, which I yes. I expected to do last week. We're going to go over. Uh, there, there were some NHL signings too, I believe, this week. There that, were. Uh, we are going to that we're going to talk about. Uh, we have the NFL preseason that is currently ongoing right now. As a matter of fact, I have the Giants just came on right now. I got, I have the uh, the Jaguars losing sixteen nothing to the uh, Cleveland Browns right now. Uh, uh, but we have we have a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to cover tonight and yes. i mean how about it you know nfl the the nfl is back and it's it's a shortened preseason keep in mind there's only three preseason right. games this year as opposed to four uh i believe actually the first cut down date is this tuesday i want to say if i'm not mistaken yes so I believe the first cut down is is to what eighty players I think. Yes, eighty or eighty five. Eighty or eighty five, yeah, it's one of the two. If it uh, if it's eighty five, then obviously the next cut down date would be eighty, and then 
right. you know, the final cut, the final cut down that, that, uh, that we end up having. Uh, one of the biggest takeaways that I am, uh, obviously, you know, people who have listened to this show know I'm a Patriots fan and, you know, they know, uh, they know I, I, I try to talk as much Patriot stuff as I can, but right. literally that they are actually one of the biggest storylines that's going on in the NFL right now is the competition between Cam Newton and Mac Jones. And, and when it comes to who's going to be the starter uh, come week one. And I got to tell you, Lou, I'm, Kind of venture. I, I am very intrigued with how Mac Jones played in the first preseason game. Now, keep in mind, yeah, it is preseason, so there's, you know, he he was playing at the time with second and third stringers, but he really showed. You know, you know normally you want to see how athlete, how college athletes can transition over to the pro level. Uh, when it comes to their respective games. And I got to tell you, Mac looked like he knew what he was doing. You know, he he didn't look lost at all. Like uh sometimes sometimes you have some you have some uh some big name college quarterbacks who will come in but yet they'll they'll look like uh a deer caught in the headlights basically in well, some situations. Uh, but it seemed like Mac. This was th- that wasn't Mac at all. He knew when to throw the ball away. He knew when when the defense was closing in on him, except for mm-hmm. the one sack that he did take uh, near the end of his uh, near the end of his of his stint in uh, in game one. But I think the bi- you know the biggest takeaway I think is that. I think Cam Newton's job is indeed in serious jeopardy. Oh yeah, because, because Newton didn't really show up. If I if, no. if, if we could put it that way, you know, it, it from the two possessions that we had of Newton, there was one, the first one. It was basically a they they ruled it as an incompletion, but yes, for those who actually watched the game, it was a fumble. It was a fumble that was recovered by Washington. That was recovered by Washington. Then Washington ended up fumbling their own path. You know, when they, when they tried running it back, they ended up fumbling and, and somehow it ended up getting back into the hands of the Patriots. So, but yet for some reason they they ruled it incomplete, and I don't know I don't know why why they would because it looked clear as day to me that it was a fumble. Uh, but other than that, you know, Newton didn't really show much at all. I mean, he went four for seven for forty nine yards, and I was expecting a lot more out of Newton considering he's. You know, he he's basically prided himself this off season on the fact that COVID was the him coming down with COVID was the reason why he sucked last year mm-hmm. after he came down with COVID. But in all honesty, I mean, just from the little plays that he was trying to make, 
the fact that when he threw it, he threw a short pass over to Johnu Smith, and yet it went right to Johnu Smith's feet. You know, it, it, it was just the little mannerisms that made me scream. This is basically the same Cam Newton that we saw last year. Right. And I mean, the the Patriots uh, when they when they moved on from him and they put in Mac Jones. I mean, they ran different situations with him. The two minute two minute drill. Uh, they basically. I, I wouldn't say throw, threw him into the fire because it's not like he, he only played 50 seconds basically with the first stringers before uh, they ended up before they ended up bringing the second stringers in to start the second quarter. But I was impressed with Mac Jones. Uh, his first his first game uh, in in actual competition in the NFL, 13 of 19 for 87 yards. And he did get sacked once, but uh, overall, you know, he he really looked composed out there. You know, any uh, incompletions that he had didn't really shake his confidence at all. It it seemed like he really understood the pro game. And that basically the work he was putting in in practice really translated over uh, when it came to actual competition. So uh, uh, let me get your thoughts, Lou. Do you think that Newton is in real trouble when it comes to when it comes to the Patriots' starting job? Even though, oh yeah, he still has trouble. Even though Bill has uh, has stated multiple times that Cam Newton is our quarterback, <laughs> you might want to rethink that, especially early in the season. I mean, let's face it. I mean, Cam today was going to come in thinking he's going to pick up where Bree left off, and it's been anything far from it. The Patriots have been in a tailspin since then, and I don't think I see much improvement here. Cam is not the guy for the Patriots. His starting yeah, job no, he definitely is in major jeopardy, and I think by game four, if he's doing anything, his starting job is going to be gone. You know what? That is exactly – it's funny that you mentioned that because game four is against Tampa Bay when uh, when Brady comes I back know. to Gillette for the first time. And I know. And, you know, a lot, of, uh, a lot of Boston radio guys were saying the same thing, that – Basically, if they do, if Cam or, or not Cam, if Mac Jones doesn't start the season uh, as the number one quarterback, they will more than likely bring him in around week four, week five, if Newton plays poorly. By the way, and, which one says it said by EEI or the Sports Hub? Uh, Sports Hub, I believe. I believe yeah, it was Felger uh, and Matt. I, th- I believe it was Felger and Maz who brought up the who brought up this. I've point. heard of him. I've heard of him. But to be to be honest, though, it's I kind of agree with them because I think huh. I think Bill I think Bill feels uh, some sort of loyalty towards Newton to where you know he signed him last year to give him an opportunity uh, to show to show that he still had it. Then he re-signed him this off season 
to 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 give him an opportunity to prove that okay, COVID, you know, COVID was the reason why our season basically yeah. went downhill. And that with a full well, season and a full training camp, uh, you know, that Newton would be back to normal. And honestly, so far, I haven't. I haven't really seen that out of Newton, especially not not just from the preseason game, but uh, just from the reports that have been coming out around training camp, that as far as consistency goes, Mac Jones has been more on the positive side, consist, uh, making consistent plays compared to Newton, who has been making consistent interceptions. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, Mac has too, but it's nowhere. It's not near the right. same, uh, the same consistency, you know, as uh, as Newton has. So, yeah. it, you know, it's not just Newton's job that may be on the line here. Uh, there's also Nick Folk, their kicker. Actually, there's a couple of jobs that are on the line. Uh, Nick Folk, he's currently dealing with an undisclosed injury. And Quinn Norton, Uh, uh, the the undrafted rookie, came in in game one. He went three for three on field goal attempts, and he missed one extra point. Uh, One out of two extra points he missed. Uh, His longest kick was 50 yards. For the Patriots now, granted, in, in all honesty, that that's that's really uh, in, in recent years, this has basically been the symbol of uh, a lot of symbolism when it comes to uh, Patriots kickers that they can nail the field goals, but when it comes to the extra points, the extra points for some reason is their is their Achilles heel. However. Yes. Uh, I think with the injury to Folk and the fact that he's been missing practice, I think that plays more against him, uh, especially with Norton having such a good first game uh, as he did on Thursday night. I think it's entirely possible that we could see Folk potentially become a uh, become a cut candidate, or if not, yeah. then Norton. If not, then Norton will probably be on the practice squad. But honestly, I don't think I think if Norton gets released, I don't think Norton will be will uh, will make the practice squad. I think I uh, think he'll be claimed. He'll be claimed by a team that's looking for a kicker. Uh, and another another position another position to look out for is Sony Michelle uh, with the running back yeah. position because. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, who was drafted out of Oklahoma, he had two touchdowns for the Patriots in their 22 to 13 victory over the Washington football team Thursday night, including a 91 yard touchdown uh, towards the end of the game. If if I if I'm uh, if I'm Sony Michelle, I'm getting kind of worried because. You have quite a lot of running backs in that uh, in that running back room, and somebody's going to be the odd man out. 
and chances are it might very well be Michelle. Not necessarily by a cut, but they may potentially try to trade him, which has been the rumor pretty much ever since they drafted uh, Stevenson in the fourth round. Uh-huh. So I think there's de- there's definitely a lot of change that's going to be headed New England's way yeah. uh, before the start of the season here. Uh, earlier today, we also saw uh, one of the other premier quarterbacks of this draft class, uh, Justin Fields, put on quite a show uh, for the Chicago Bears against the Miami Dolphins, leading the Bears back from uh, uh, in a come-from-behind victory over the Miami Dolphins 20-13. to And in particular for the Bears, Justin Fields threw, or he completed 14 of 20 passes for 142 yards and a touchdown pass. And I believe he also ran five times for 33 yards and a touchdown rush as well. So I think it's possible that even though they say that Andy Dalton is the starter in Chicago, I'm not so sure about that. I think nobody Justin should be sure Fields, about him. I think Justin Fields could potentially be be playing himself into uh, into the quarterback one position here. Right, well, I wouldn't, what are your, I wouldn't what are your him anywhere. What What are your thoughts on Justin Fields, Lou? Because he was seen as one of the top. He was seen as one of the top quarterbacks in this year's draft class. Yes, he was. But I won't put anything past on. You know, on Dalton because Dalton's the back. I would take my. I would put my money on Fields if I had to. Well, right now it looks like it looks like Fields does have momentum heading his way when it comes to the Bears. When it comes to the Bears' starting quarterback position, uh, Dalton he only completed two of two of four attempts for 18 yards. Uh, Nick Foles only only had one completion for eight yards as well. So Foles is is obviously not in the equation. And actually, there's been a rumor. That uh, you may see, you may see the Indianapolis Colts trade for Nick Foles uh, because uh, Carson Wentz he had foot surgery and he is basically yes. out for the next five to twelve weeks, or in this yeah. case, technically it's five. In this case, it's technically five to eleven weeks because it's a week later uh, when this news then right. when this news had come out. So uh, he basically, uh, apparently, according to the Athletic, uh, Wentz has been dealing throughout the last couple of years, actually, with a foot injury that he suffered as early as high school, and basically, this hmm. injury is uh, is a broken bone that he's that he's played through for pretty much his entire NFL career, until it finally came loose and is now basically causing him pain. This is this is the uh the bone that he is that he had fixed basically with this surgery. And now 
This basically leaves Jacob Eason, their second-year quarterback, uh, as the presumed number one starter uh, for week one. With, I mean, let's be let's be honest. Uh, their backup. It, I mean, it's not like they don't. It's not like they have Jacoby Brissett anymore. They don't have Brissett to back up uh, to back up Eason, or even to potentially start. So. Uh, either they're going to have to trade for a veteran like Nick Foles or things are going to be looking pretty bleak early on uh, in the season. For yeah, the looks that way, doesn't it? But, I, I mean, you got you got to feel bad for Wentz, though. You know, it, it seems like pretty mm-hmm. much every year he just cannot stay healthy. I mean, we all remember the first year that he came out, that he played uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles, the year that they ended up actually uh, actually winning the Super Bowl. You know, he brought them pretty much almost right to the playoffs before he ended up getting injured and then Nick Foles took over. Uh, I think it was around week 10 or 11 that year. And, it, you know, yeah. he has the talent. But the problem is he just can't stay healthy whatsoever. I mean, what what do you think? What do you think it is, Lou, uh, when it comes to Carson Wentz? You know, is it is it just the fact that he can't stay healthy, or you know, could could this potentially uh, be? Could this potentially have something to do with? the positions that his that his team is putting him in when it comes to when it comes to certain situations. I think he is putting in putting in certain situations. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, Wentzism isn't bad but I think he's in a lot of pressure over this. Yeah, no, he definitely he definitely isn't a bad quarterback, despite what a lot of people say. Uh, you know, obviously we did see him falter in the later years with Philadelphia, but you could kind of argue that he had no weapons in Philly and their offensive line was always too banged up to where, you know, he very rarely had any protection. I mean, obviously it's different in Indianapolis when you have Quentin Nelson uh, guarding you over there, but I mean, in this case, it seems like this is basically a lingering foot injury that had that had been pretty much with him throughout all of his pro career, and had been with him quite frankly since high school, as I mentioned earlier. So maybe, yeah. perhaps, you know, once he gets once he officially comes back. Uh, you know, hopefully the Colts are still are still in the thick of it, and could they could potentially make a run with uh, with Carson Wentz at the uh, uh, behind center. Possibly, you know, there's. I mean, it's it's it'll be interesting to see if this has been the problem the entire time. What has been his foot, and maybe he gets back to the dynamic player that we, that we had seen 
come out of Philadelphia that, that very first year that he was in the league. Now, we did also have uh, a couple of other games take place earlier this week. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers with a 24-16 to victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. The Tennessee Titans, they had a 23-3 to victory over the Falcons. The Falcons had 21 total net passing yards. Yes. They had literally no passing game whatsoever. And actually, I don't think I saw Kyle Pitts out there. Uh, no, I didn't. At either. tight end. So that's something you got, you kind of have to wonder if there's potentially something wrong with Kyle Pitts. Because otherwise, why, why do you not yes. start? Your, why do you not start your first round your first round pick uh, in the especially in the first preseason game? Uh, the Buffalo Bills they narrowly got past the Detroit Lions. Uh, Devin Singletary was the lead scorer for Buffalo. Nine touches, 48, uh, 48 uh, scrimmage yards, and a touchdown for the Bills. And the Arizona Cardinals narrowly got by the Dallas Cowboys 19-16 to with Matt Prater hitting a game-winning 47-yard field goal as time expired. And obviously in the preseason there, there is no overtime. So uh, basically you got to hope to score. You got to hope to score or pretty much just settle for a tie. Uh, oh, that's another th- that's another thing. One of the biggest takeaways from that New England Washington game is Washington Washington's kicker cannot kick for shit. Missed yeah. every single attempt. I mean that that it was pretty awful watching uh, watching their kicker try to. Uh, Try to try to convert not just extra points but also field goals and not being able to do to do a damn thing about it. Uh, some stats from that Dallas game uh, for the as far as the Cowboys go, the lead passer was Cooper Rush, seven of thirteen for eighty nine yards. You also had Garrett Gilbert contributing. Uh, 80 yards on 7 of 16 passing. Uh, Jaquan Hardy was the lead rusher, 8 carries for 32 yards. It looks like, okay, uh, it looks like the Cowboys, well, obviously uh, Dak Prescott is still recovering from from his yeah. surgery, but uh, the Cowboys did not have Ezekiel Elliott. I don't know why it doesn't it doesn't show at all why he was uh why he was not he was not playing. Uh as far as the receivers go, Ted Wilson led the way two catches for 40 yards for the Cowboys. Uh some notable names, Michael Gallup, two catches, 23 yards. Uh CD Lamb was held catchless. And 
and that's pretty much it as far as the Cowboys go. Uh, for the Cardinals, Chris Streveler was the lead passer, completing 50% of his attempts, 12 of 24 for 107 yards. Uh, Colt McCoy also went 6 of 79 yards. Streveler also had 10 rushes for 55 yards as well. So he was the lead rusher for for the Cardinals. And... I don't know why this all of a sudden malfunctioned here. Uh, Christian Kirk led the way with a 34-yard catch for the Cardinals on his only catch of the game. Uh, And that's pretty much it when it comes to notable names on their their offense. Uh, We do have some games that are currently ongoing right now. Uh, The Saints with a 14-9 lead over the Baltimore Ravens. Jameis Winston went 7-12 of for 96 yards, uh, threw a touchdown, but also threw a pick as well. Uh, The Browns looks like they are in the red zone right now, 16-6 against the Jaguars with about 5-22 remaining, I believe. Uh, Trevor Lawrence earlier tonight went six of nine for 71 yards in two drives for his first, uh, his first taste of NFL action. The Jets are currently in the red zone, I believe, Lou. They're just right in the red zone right now. They missed it. All right. I, I'm just I'm making third, sure I'm, right I'm, I'm reading this right. Yeah, I'm, I'm making sure I'm reading this right because uh, the Jets, they have them listed in the red zone on NFL.com currently. Uh, yeah. The Jets with a three a three to nothing lead, three to nothing lead over the Giants. Zach Wilson six of nine for 63 yards. Uh, obviously, you've been wa- you've been watching the game. Uh, yes. You know, well, Wilson was the last first round pick to sign his official uh his official rookie deal. Yes. Uh for the Jets. So he did have a bit of a delayed start to training camp this year. Uh but what what do you think so far of Wilson's performance in a Jets uniform? What have you seen uh from him in this game? Well, I mean, you know, it's all, I think it's on a decent start. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, he's yeah, he's still got a lot to prove, but uh, he's holding, he seems to be holding up his own right now. Well, that's good to hear, considering the fact that normally, uh, considering the problems that the Jets have had at quarterback in recent years, I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, Sam Sam Darnold, uh, you know, the the past couple of years, that experiment failed with the Jets. And they've been really, really high on Zach Wilson uh, since, ever since before they even drafted him. So, obviously, they must see something in this kid that uh, that made them take him uh, with the number two overall pick uh, for uh, to represent uh, the New York Jets. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals, they have a 10-6 to lead over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, with a one-yard rushing touchdown by, 
I want to say, okay, Chris Evans. Okay, I was I was trying I was I was getting confused there for a second. I was I was mistaking him for the actor. I don't know why, but uh, a one a one, uh, one yard rushing touchdown. A one-yard rushing touchdown uh, for Chris Evans for the Bengals has the Bengals on top of the Buccaneers, ten to six. The Houston Texans with a ten to seven lead over the Green Bay Packers. Uh, we also have Trey Lance in his first game with the San Francisco 49ers, an eighty-yard passing touchdown to Sherfield. Uh, Gives the 49ers a nine to seven lead over the Kansas City Chiefs, and Vegas. We have a seven to nothing lead for the Vegas Raiders over the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, one game that is still set to take place tonight: uh, the Battle of L.A. between the Rams and the Chargers, uh, yeah. set to take place. Uh, at 10 p.m., so in about 24 minutes or so, uh, from SoFi Stadium out there in my life. Yep, that's that's what I that's what I have here as well. And tomorrow at 1 p.m., which will be on NFL Network, we have the Carolina Panthers taking on the Indianapolis Colts. So that's that's something uh, to keep a close eye on as well. Uh, also yeah. from earlier today, we have the Denver Broncos absolutely steamrolling the Minnesota Vikings by a score of 33-6. to six. It really just basically seems like the Vikings didn't even show up to play this game. I don't think so. We'll get that. Uh, Drew Locke, 5 of 7 for 151 yards with two touchdown passes on the day. Teddy Bridgewater went seven of eight for 74 yards and a touchdown pass. Uh, Their lead rusher was Demaria Crockett. Uh, Royce Freeman also had uh, 33 yards as well. Uh, Crockett had 59 yards on 16 carries. Uh, As far as receivers go, KJ Hamler led the way with two catches for 105 yards, including a touchdown catch and Trinity Benson, with four catches for 36 yards, two of them being touchdown catches. So, yeah, safe to say that Denver Broncos offense really feasted on Minnesota today. And as far as Minnesota goes, you could really only say the the only bright spot for Minnesota today was A.J. Rose with 100 yards rushing on 25 carries, so basically an average of four yards per carry. Uh, Kellen Mond didn't really do much. Uh, six completions out of 16 attempts for 53 yards. And Jake Browning, uh, five of 10 completions for only 31 yards, and he had a uh, interception as well. Uh, oh, yeah, and actually that interception came off of the or came through uh with the hands of Patrick Sertain the second. Uh their first round draft pick out of Oklahoma, or not Oklahoma, Alabama. So we we we're seeing a lot of first round picks uh really really starting to show 
very early on in the preseason here uh, when it comes to the NFL. And I got to tell you, you know, with the uh, – what are your thoughts, Lou, when it comes to the preseason, uh, the fact that there's one less game, does that kind does that kind of give teams a bit of a disadvantage? Because usually, yeah, with that fourth with that fourth game, it usually provides you know it provides teams with the opportunity that if they're having trouble deciding between specific players. That final game usually, well, not not it's just uh, not just as a, you know, not only does it help them decide who to go with, but also it allows teams to pretty much give their starters the most amount of time to basically get ready for a full NFL game. Right. You know, because you know, as long as I've been around, well. Since the, since the 70s, you know, they went to uh, the four-game schedule. And, you know, that really, you know, I think uh, you're going to need that to, you know, make decisions on who would be your starter, who would get the final cut, whatnot. Three is, I think, rushing it too much. Yeah, it was. Of course, at one time, you had to be six it, preseason it, games. Yeah, it it, it just seemed it just seemed really weird to me that they would go with three preseason games, especially considering the fact that, you know, usually a lot of teams take that fourth preseason game to not only get their guys well into gear when it comes to preparing for an actual, you know, preparing for an, for an actual uh, NFL uh, full 48 minutes or whatnot. Also, or wait, is it 40, is it 48 or 60 minutes? I forget. I, I'm getting it mixed up with the NBA. It's 60 minute. minute quarters, right? It's okay, quarters, so yeah. 60 minutes. Yeah. I'm getting it mixed up with the NBA for some reason. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, you know, usually that fourth game gives teams an opportunity uh, to, Get their players adjusted for a full sixty minute uh, a full sixty minute performance. But also, if there are if if there are still position battles that are ongoing to where they can't decide who to who to keep, that gives players that may be on the bubble one last chance to to prove that they should stick around. So. You know, I, I'm I'm still kind of I still think it's a it's a bit of a bad idea to shrink it uh, from four to three. Now I get you know they're they're adding in a seventeenth week so or a seventeenth yeah. game so in order to make room for that they gotta you know they gotta get rid of one of the preseason games but in all honesty just get rid of the Pro Bowl nobody watches yeah. it anyways. And it's not even competitive football, really. It's more no. players. It's more players just having fun. You know, if you want, if you if you want to be seen as a Pro Bowler just for the accolades, 
I mean, that's why they have the all pro awards and shit like that. Right. You know, that's why they have those all, those all NFL teams when it comes to, uh, I mean, yeah. Okay. You want to, you want to be known as a pro bowler. Fine. You know, just, just uh, give, give, uh, you know, uh, recognizances for for Pro Bowl status, but you know, just don't even do the Pro Bowl at this point because it's not really necessary. They're not really doing anything. Uh, like they're not even playing real defense in the Pro Bowl, uh-huh. and you know it's. They wonder why that they're lo- that they lose uh, viewers every single year. Mm-hmm. It's because nobody even cares about it. It's kind of like it's kind of like the NBA uh, with their All Star Game. You know, th- that's why the NBA had to make changes to the All Star Game because it was starting to get stale. Yes. And uh, I should say, so far it has worked out for them when it comes to you know when it when it comes to uh if you ask me they made uh, a big the mistake in scheduling this year though why uh why why would you say that having a super bowl in the middle of the olympics what are you nuts oh yes that's right it's going to be the winter it's going to be right in the middle of the winter olympics dumbass oh my god yeah and you should have started labor day stupid like you used to yeah i i never understood why because usually the pro bowl always took place after the super bowl uh, after you know after after the nfl season was over uh, I mean, hell, you know, just from uh, you know, Madden fans would know when when you're uh, when they were playing uh, the Madden NFL games uh, that in in your career you would always go you would always go to the playoffs, then the Super Bowl, and then and then if you were invited to the Pro Bowl, you would go to the Pro Bowl immediately after. Right, of course. So I I never I never really understood why they would put the Pro Bowl in uh, in between. I guess it was a way of saving time, apparently. Yeah. I but just I don't mean, understand. They should have started on Labor Day this year to avoid this mess, but no, they don't want to do that. Yeah. Do you look at your That we do have... Exactly. Uh, hang on one second. We do have uh, a caller calling in. I do. Uh-oh. I, I believe uh, we had we had. Uh, it looks like it's a Skype number. We had them on earlier, oh, but they had I disconnected before I tried to connect in. Um, before I tried to connect them, they had disconnected. Uh, but caller, you are. This on isn't the a air. Skype call. I just blocked my number. I just wanted to say, go fuck yourself. Show fucking sucks. Oh, I have well. no other point. All righty then. So, oh, uh, one of them. Yeah, one of them. Now we do have uh, some news out of the NFL. Uh, uh-huh. In particular, this 
uh, this this has to do with Deshaun Watson. Now, Deshaun Watson, uh, obviously, if you aren't aware, or if anybody, I should say, isn't aware, uh, he is currently under investigation, uh, facing 22 civil lawsuits and 10 criminal complaints against him uh, that has to do with the sexual assault allegations being brought against him by all of these masseuses. Uh, that, you know, that they have. Um, Now, according to Fox Houston's Mark Berman, he's reporting that a Harris County grand jury will be convened to determine if there's sufficient evidence to bring criminal charges against him. Uh, Apparently, this is set to take place uh, within the next couple of weeks, I would assume. And it is a potential turning point in the legal cycle here as a decision to not charge him would then suggest that there are, that they have doubts about these allegations. I mean, there have yes. been people that have said that this looks like, this looks like a money grab opportunity for the most part. It does part. sound like it, doesn't it? Yeah. That's what it looks like. It, it looks like this, mm. this is, you know, a money grab opportunity right from the very beginning when these allegations first came out. Uh, and the fact that uh, when it comes to a settlement, Deshaun Watson wanted everything disclosed. He wanted everything out there in the open, but yet his accusers don't want everything out there. So, you know, it begs the question: Why is this, Why is this? Is there, there's just so many red flags out there. Yeah. With this, with this case. Now, obviously, uh, if he if he is indicted on felony charges, he will likely be placed on the commissioner's exempt list. Uh, which will give the Texans a rock a roster exemption uh, while the whole entire thing plays out. And this has actual I mean, there are teams still interested in him, but this has done a huge number to the trade to the multiple trade rumors uh, surrounding mm. Watson to the point of where you almost have to wonder if if anybody is really even willing to take a stab at him at this point. Uh-huh. I mean, what what are your thoughts, Luke? Do you think that uh, even if he is found innocent and there's not enough, or say there's not enough sufficient evidence for them to, uh, for them to indict him, one case could could this situation have potentially done irreparable damage to deshaun watson's reputation oh the damage is already done his reputation shot the hell anyway yeah you think you think that he's uh his his NFL days could be potentially numbered that it's basically either he stays with the Texans or 
you know, no other team's going to want him despite his, uh, you know, despite his talent. With that kind of a criminal record, I don't think anybody would want to take him. I don't even think a CFL would want to take him. Well, I don't know. I mean, the CFL would be uh, – they are, uh, you know, desperate for te- for uh, for stars. I mean, keep in yeah, mind, but with that kind of track record, I, I don't name. know. Yeah, but, you know, with all those with all those counts against him and everything, I, I, I just don't see anybody claiming him. If you do, you might be asking for a lot of trouble because, you know, you're going to be hiring, you know, a, a potential criminal, and that's going to leave a bad mark. I just not even too many claims in but I think on the league as well. True. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, there's obviously this is basically because of the fact that this hasn't even been settled yet. I, you know, I find this kind of odd that, uh, you know, the tight or not Tyreek Hill, the Antonio Brown uh, situation that happened with his former trainer uh, that got settled, and Brown, you know, for the most part, he hasn't really suffered from it. You know, he's he's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you know, he ended up winning a Super Bowl, and it almost seems like everybody has flat out forgotten about his case. But yet, you know, when – if if this comes back that there's not that there's insufficient evidence uh, to indict him to indict Deshaun Watson, I mean I I kind of agree with what you said. There there's gonna be a black mark on his career because or not, oh, yeah. not necessarily his career, not necessarily his career, but a black mark on his reputation because. I mean, there is insufficient evidence. There would be insufficient evidence, but, you know, once once an accusation is put out there, that stays with you. You know, he's now going to be known as a guy who may or may have not have committed these acts, but because there was potentially insufficient evidence, depending on if they indict him or not, there's not really going to be anything to put out there. You know, there's, despite his, despite the amount of talent that he has uh, on the football field, I don't think there's going to be many teams that are going to want to take on that. I wouldn't. So I would be, I would be surprised if, well, I should say I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up staying a Houston Texan for uh, most of his career once this gets settled, assuming that you know he's innocent. Now, obviously, if he isn't, if he's guilty, then well, yeah, his he's his career I think is pretty much yeah he's screwed pretty much. But if he's if he's innocent, then I would think that eventually this would go towards the way of Antonio Brown's case where, you know, it would pretty much essentially, and nobody would, would be talking about, uh, about the accusations that were brought forth. 
Now, uh, when it comes to spe- speaking of a uh, of another controversy, uh, the New Orleans Saints apparently have a disgruntled wide receiver in Michael Thomas, as he failed to return yes. multiple calls from coaches and training staff over the course of the three months uh, during the off season, as Coach Sean Payton. Uh, their wide receivers coach and the team's former trainer all attempted to contact Thomas over the spring only for their calls to basically fall upon deaf ears. As the team advised Thomas to have his ankle surgery to correct ligament damage that he had suffered after last season, but, but Thomas ended up opting for a more conservative route that focused on rehab and therapy after he got a second opinion. Thomas then apparently went dark working on his own out of his California home. And he did report to the team in June when it was discovered that he now required the surgery because the ankle wasn't any better. And this has been his second run in with the Saints higher ups after he got into a fight with teammate uh, CJ Gardner Johnson earlier last season, which earned him a, team-imposed one-game suspension. Now, keep in mind, this wasn't a suspension from the league. This was a suspension done by the actual team itself. Uh, Peyton called Thomas's decision to delay surgery disappointing and said that it should have happened sooner. Well, obviously it should have happened sooner. You know, you, want, you don't really want to delay surgery if you want if you want to get out back out onto the field as as quickly as possible now thomas is going to miss the start of the season because of this and he to keep him keep in mind he has no guaranteed money left on his deal after the 2021 season so it's entirely possible Mm -hmm. they could potentially move on from him following uh following this season with these considering the uh the problems he has had with the organization over the past couple of years. I, what, what are your thoughts on this, Lou? Because this could be, I mean, they already lost Drew Brees to retirement. Now, yeah. if they potentially lose their number one wide receiver, their franchise wide receiver, I mean, this could be, this could, this could pretty much reshape that entire offense for, uh, for New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first you lose Breeze, and now this. I don't know. It's that's gonna be a tough task. That's gonna be really. It's gonna be a big challenge this year for them. Yeah, I think so, I think it's definitely gonna be a big challenge, especially considering the fact that they're also juggling uh, whether or not they should have, uh, you know, who who their starting quarterback should be. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, this, this if you, uh, if, yeah, I'll call, right, I'll, I'll reach you back in about 45 minutes or so. Okay. All right. All right. Well, Oops. Sorry, you know, what, 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 what I was, what, what I was saying though, when it comes, when it comes to the New Orleans saints is obviously, you know, they have a big decision to make, uh, whether or not they 
they uh, are going to stick with Taysom Hill or if they're going to have Jameis Winston be the starter because uh, my understanding is they never really gave a, you know, an absolute decision as to whether or not either one would be the starter to open up this year. So with that indecision that they're currently facing and now the possibility that they may lose Michael Thomas after this year, man, I mean, the saints are already struggling as it is. And this is, this is just going to, uh, I mean, yeah, they they would probably uh, fetch quite a haul for him, but because I mean he would still be under the Saints' control in terms of his contract. But I just, you know, you don't find that that type of talent often when it comes to Michael Thomas and how he can change a team's offense. I guarantee you, you know, if the Saints struggle without him to start the season, considering, uh, you know, he's dealing with his uh, with his injury problems, uh, when he does come back, I think it'll be a big indicator of what the Saints need to do. Obviously, you know, if if the team struggles without him and – when he got, when when he ends up coming back, they basically go back to the type of New Orleans Saints that you're used to seeing. Then, yeah, okay, I think that should be a big indicator uh, to the New Orleans Saints organization that you guys need to make your you guys need to make your franchise wide receiver happy and keep him happy because otherwise, you know, there's. There's just no – you'll basically have to, have to reshape your entire, your entire offense all over again. Anyways, uh, while we're waiting for Lou to come back here, uh, let's talk a little bit of wrestling because we did see the debut last night of AEW Rampage, uh, which is the – it's basically the secondary show uh, that AEW has on TNT. Uh, obviously, AEW Dynamite is on Wednesdays. Uh, AEW Rampage takes place now every uh, every Friday night on TNT. And for this series debut, uh, we did see three championship matches, including uh, Dr. Britt Baker defending her AEW Women's Women's Championship successfully against uh, Red Velvet. We also saw Kenny Omega drop the Impact World Championship to Christian Cage. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing to see that it's 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 the year 2021 and keep in mind Christian Cage was a former TNA champion or at the time I guess you could you could call him an NWA champion NWA TNA back when when they still had that partnership before TNA officially became Impact Wrestling uh Christian was a former TNA world champion and 
fast forward 15 years later and all of a sudden now he's the impact world champion once again. And obviously this was just, uh, this title change was just done to a, I mean, obviously, you know, AEW rampage, it being the first night that they have a secondary show and keep in mind, this is basically like their version of SmackDown. This isn't like, Oh, uh, AEW Dynamite is going to be the main show, and then Rampage will be will be where they where they stick all of their developmental talent. No, that's that's what AEW Dark is for, and AEW Dark Elevation, as they call as they call those two uh, those two shows that they have on on their YouTube channel. But AEW Rampage uh, is basically their version of of WWE SmackDown, or in this case, it's AEW SmackDown, I guess you could call it. But uh, anyways, this first this first show, honestly, in my opinion, was pretty good. Uh, we also had Miro successfully defend his TNT championship against uh, Fuego Del Sol. And I'm still trying to see what the ratings were. I don't think the ratings are out yet officially. Uh, but they're considering this to be one of the biggest nights in the history of all elite wrestling. So considering that, you know, that's it's kind of a it's kind of a big thing. If they can if they can get this to keep to keep working and you know they build up that uh viewership loyalty AEW you know could potentially become a big problem for Vince McMahon and the WWE I mean Vince already made the decision uh to get rid of Bray Wyatt which still still puzzles me uh, to this day, why they chose to get rid of one of their hottest acts that they had going. Uh, but I think this is more along – I mean, we're, we're already starting to see a, uh, WWE change their philosophy in terms of they're looking for to sort of build up. I mean, they're already blaming – uh, NX, the changes that NXT is going through, they're blaming Triple H for those changes because of the fact that he lost the Wednesday Night War, I guess you could call it. Honestly, I, I don't know how you can call it a war because it's not like it was WWE versus WCW back in the day when it was Raw versus Nitro, and they were uh, and they were both airing at the same time, even though NXT and AEW were airing at the same time. But this is like the minor leagues compared to Raw versus Nitro. So, I mean, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know why they considered it a war, but apparently WWE, they must see uh, AEW as a real problem if they're undergoing changes. They're changing their own philosophy and, I think the big thing is is that they looked at these independent wrestlers that they've brought in in the past couple of years, 
And that's why we've seen the release of wrestlers like Bobby Fish, uh, Mercedes Martinez, is that uh, one of the things is that apparently Vince looks at it now and if, uh, you know, if you're a certain age and you're still in NXT, then you'll basically never have the potential to become a main roster star is what they're getting at here. So henceforth, if you see, if you see these releases of like Bronson Reed, uh, Bobby Fish, Mercedes Martinez, and you're wondering what the hell is going on in NXT. Well, this is what this is what we're getting now. If if you're a certain age and and you're still in NXT, Vince is basically looking at you like there's no way we could turn you into a star on the main roster at this point. So why are we? why are we still hanging on to you when we can instead use your spot to turn somebody else into a star? And I, you know, I guess that's their, that's their whole thing that they're, uh, that they're going to go with now, apparently, which I guess, you know, whatever, but, I mean, you kind of had to feel like the independent sort of theme sort of thing was going to die down eventually. You know, once Vince got his hands on NXT and started becoming more creatively involved with NXT, it pretty much ruined the uniqueness that NXT brought to the WWE, uh, to, to the WWE programming. I mean, hell, at one point, they even went as far as to push NXT to where they had them defeat Raw and SmackDown at Survivor Series, basically becoming the superior brand. And for some reason, NXT's NXT's ratings stayed the same for pretty much their entire... uh, their entire time on the USA Network. You know, nothing ever really changed. So... Obviously, they felt the need that you know change had to be made, and you know one of the one of the one of their biggest stars, Adam Cole, he is set to become a free agent, I believe, uh, next week actually, uh, SummerSlam weekend, and the rumor going around around the uh, internet wrestling community is that. Uh, Adam Cole apparently has been meeting with Vince McMahon. Uh, Vince is trying to get him up onto the main roster by keeping him around. If he didn't, if, if Vince didn't see something in Adam Cole, he would have probably let his contract expire. But there's always the possibility that Adam Cole, once his contract expires, may just jump over to AEW like uh, like Malachi Black or Aleister Black, uh, as WWE fans know him, uh, like Malachi Black did, like Andrade did. You know, it, it, it really it seems like AEW has gotten so many WWE stars that there's this big conspiracy theory that's out there now that people believe that Vince McMahon 
either owns AEW or has something to do with AEW, whether it's a partnership or something, a secret partnership, uh, because Vince is basically sending so many of his quote-unquote guys, uh, people he respects, you know, like Paul White, the big show, or uh, or Mark Henry, uh, they all of a sudden sign you know, they got rid of Ric Flair recently, and apparently the rumor is Ric Flair is going to be heading to AEW. Uh, you know, it's just, it's it's becoming comical at this point. That, I mean, I, mean I, I, I like the fact that there's, you know, another organization that these former stars can go to in order to, you know, show everybody what they can do uh, when they're not constrained by WWE's creative decisions. But obviously, you know, in order for AEW to really even show themselves as a legitimate, a true legitimate threat, they need to stay above that 1 million viewer mark, which they had been doing for the past couple of weeks, with the exception of this week, uh, they ended up officially going back down under a million viewers for this week's edition of AEW Dynamite. So, uh, you know, we're still waiting to hear what Rampage's numbers were for last night, but WWE must be feeling something for them to decide to all of a sudden make these changes when usually the only changes they ever really make is to the to the scripts of Raw and SmackDown every single week, hours before the shows even begin. That's pretty much the only urgency we've really seen out of WWE in recent years because, you know, there's never really been any other alternative to this point until AEW uh, came in a couple of years ago. But speaking of the WWE, uh, they are holding their summer version of WrestleMania, you could call it. Uh, at least that's how they're trying to, that's how they're trying to market it basically, as the summer version of WrestleMania uh, with WWE SummerSlam set to take place next week uh, on the Peacock Network. We have eight matches on tap. The first match here is Nikki, almost a superhero. I guess, I guess that's what her, what her gimmick name is now, uh, defending her newly won Raw Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair and the former champion, or yeah, the former champion Charlotte Flair and also Rhea Ripley in a triple threat match. I was, I was still surprised when Nikki ended up winning the money in the bank and then cashing it in. But to me, this from the very beginning, maybe I'm I'm completely wrong about this, but to me, this just screams, transition transitional champion put the title back on flair so she can get one step closer to being the female version of her father with having 16 championship reigns eventually 
You know, it, it, it just really seems, to me, it seems to scream that that's what WWE is trying to do. And honestly, you know, I get that this is, this is a gimmick that Nikki had put up, had put together herself. So I guess, you know, this is Vince's way of, of telling her, you know, okay, we're going to give you an opportunity, you know, to, we split you up from Alexa Bliss. We're going to give you the opportunity to shine on your own. And we'll see if this gimmick can work. And I guess it's been getting over with the crowd, but kind of have my doubts on it because it just seems like such a cringy, such a cringy gimmick. You know, it's, I just, I don't really know what else to say about it. It's, Maybe she'll retain, but I just I just have had this feeling ever since she won the title that all she's going to be is a transitional champion. And I think we're going to see that uh, next week with Charlotte Flair regaining the gold and getting one step closer to eventually becoming a 16-time women's champion. Uh, I believe we have – Kyle, is this you? Yes, sir. How's it going? How's it going, man? It's been a, been a long time since you called in. Yes, yes, yes. And I only got a couple of minutes because I'm at work. All right. Well, uh, I've been talking uh, about WrestleMania, or not WrestleMania, about SummerSlam uh, that is set to take place next week. I assume, obviously, you're a WWE fan, right? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Have you been following uh, the recent stuff that has been go- that has been going on uh, when it comes to when it comes to the certain characters that they have? Uh, no, I, they have? Yeah, I haven't been able to watch uh, just because I I work Monday and Friday nights. Oh, okay. Well, uh, you know what? Why don't why don't we for for a second actually switch back over to back over to uh, football because we do have uh, we do we do have obviously NFL preseason uh, starting up this week and obviously uh, your Philadelphia uh, your Philadelphia Eagles fan obviously and uh, the Eagles. They, I believe they, uh, well, first off, they have a joint practice uh, with the Patriots this week, but or this upcoming week, but uh, they ended up losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And what's scary about this is Joe Flacco got the most time out of any of the Eagles quarterbacks. And he actually put together an impressive performance. Right. Are you kind of, as an Eagles fan, are you kind of afraid that maybe perhaps, I mean, obviously everybody looks at Jalen Hurts as being the number one quarterback. I mean, I would hope he would be seen as the number one quarterback. 
but there has to be some sort of worrying uh, in the back of your mind that maybe perhaps they may decide to go with Joe Flacco potentially if he continues to to uh, if he continues to impress at, uh, during the preseason here. Yeah. So I'm actually I kind of like that idea of having Joe Flacco maybe start um, and kind of give him a short rope, like hey, you know, we're we're not quite ready for Jalen Hurts yet. Why don't you co- you come out and kind of you know teach him a, a thing or two? Like people forget. I mean, yes, he his Super Bowl ring is because of Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, but you still have to do something in a Super Bowl to win a Super Bowl. You can't just go out and just throw 50 interceptions. And, you know what I mean? So Joe Flacco is not a fake, yeah. you know? So I actually don't mind having Joe Flacco kind of <clears throat> on a short rope, like, hey, like, you know, we're not quite ready for Jalen yet, so why don't you just see what you can do? I mean, it's possible, I guess, you know, that uh, maybe perhaps Flacco can kind of uh, reinvigorate his career. But considering considering uh, what, what happened with Jalen Hurts last year with him basically taking over for Carson Wentz and, you know, they even ended up trading away Carson Wentz in the offseason this year. You know, it it, it, so it it seemed like that you know th- that meant that they that the vote of confidence belonged to Jalen Hurts. Jalen, that okay, Jalen right. Hurts is going to be the guy. And now all of a sudden, you have Flacco all of a sudden performing like he's back to the old Joe Flacco. Right. And you know, if you were to just go back to to Joe Flacco being the starter. I mean, wouldn't you think that would have a negative effect on Jalen Hurts, especially after he was given that vote of confidence? Yeah, I I definitely think so. But I I don't know if, if Joe Flacco continues to you know perform like he did, you know, then now you're gonna have quarterback controversy. And instead of that, you can just settle it by saying like, hey, this is Joe Flacco's team for now. Jalen, your time's going to be ready and, you know, just have to step up whenever your time is now, you know? Yeah. I I also want to get your thoughts on the Packers, the the whole Aaron Rodgers uh, saga that has gone on this offseason. The Packers, they decide to finally give in to Rodgers. Uh, They basically kissed and made up. Uh, They reworked his deal uh, to where, to where there's a handshake agreement that if he does want a trade after this season, uh, the GM will back down and grant it. Uh, however, they are still trying to keep him happy. They brought back Randall Cobb. Uh, there's a rumor right. going around that now they're going to try to potentially bring Clay Matthews out of retirement apparently, and this has been backed up, I guess, by Aaron Rodgers on Instagram. Uh, What's your take on this whole entire, on on all this drama that we've seen come out of the uh, the Packers organization? Doesn't doesn't this seem like this is like a much worse uh, Brett Favre situation? 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I I don't like it. I mean, I'm I'm kind of a person of loyalty. Like, you know, if you put X amount of years in, you know, you do your time for a certain, I think that you should be able to say like, Hey, like, no, like I want to be here or I don't like it. Um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers needs to prove anything to Green Bay Packers fans or even NFL fans, you know? So I don't know. Cause it, it's kind of a touchy subject because I can, I can ask you the same question. Like, Hey, how did you feel Hunter feel about the Hunter Tom Brady thing? And, just letting them walk, and, yeah. You know, so it's you know it's very similar to that situation. So, and obviously as a as a Patriots fan, you would love to see Tom Brady still in New England. But you know, once your time is up and then they're not willing to do anything about it, then hey, like you're free to do whatever you want. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, you know, I'll even answer that right now. Uh, as far as what I feel about the Brady situation, you know, I still think he should have gotten paid. After all right. those years of doing the of, of, after all those years of following the Patriot way and taking pay cut after pay cut after pay cut, I mean this guy won you six Super Bowl titles, and right. you know you promise him you promise him year after year that you're going to give him some help you're going to go after players uh, that will help him. I mean they swung and missed on Mohamed Sanu. Uh, they right. swung and missed big time on Nikhil Harry, and I think that may have been the last straw, the fact that they put right. Nikhil Harry over some of the other more talented wide receivers in that draft class, uh, which was probably, honestly, the la- maybe the last straw for Brady. Uh, but one of the big things, too, is that they just refused to pay him. Right. Because yeah, yeah. for years, for years, he was one of the lowest-paid quarterbacks. But right, which is it allowed them. It allowed them to. It allowed them to build to consistently build Super Bowl-winning teams. Right. You're right. But it was nice chatting yeah, with you for a couple minutes. I gotta get. I gotta get um running back to work. All right, Kyle. Well, th- thanks for calling in, anyways, tonight. No, of course. You have a good night, Steve. Bye. All right, yeah, you too. All right, uh, let's get back to the SummerSlam. Uh, well, the SummerSlam preview, I guess you could say here. Uh, Roman Reigns and against John Cena. You know, I guess this is WWE because of the fact that they couldn't get The Rock to work SummerSlam. So they're having John Cena come in. And apparently, supposedly, it's not going to be a one-time thing. I guess Cena is supposed to stay for a little bit. Uh, but this is basically an opponent to give Reigns a big win, to give him a, I guess you could say, a legitimate win because a lot of people have said, oh, well, he's had triple threat matches and everything. So really his first legitimate win uh, was against Edge at the last pay-per-view, but he still doesn't have that resume. Well, John Cena is the perfect person to bring in, somebody that you can ha- that you can afford to have lose, and not do that much damage to his, uh, you know, to his character, 
while also still building up Roman Reigns by basically having him beat John Cena. And I I still feel that that's how it's going to be. I think Reigns is going to be this dominant champion until we potentially get to either the Survivor Series or WrestleMania uh, where he'll end up facing off against The Rock. Apparently it all depends on The Rock's filming schedule with, uh, with Black Adam and whatnot uh, as far as to whether or not he'll be wrestling at Survivor Series or if they will indeed have it at WrestleMania. You know, obviously he's a huge name in Hollywood right now and they they don't want to risk him potentially getting injured uh, for it, before a uh, potential filming that he has to do for a, for a specific film. So it remains to be seen what when he's going to face off against Roman Reigns. But for now, them bringing in John Cena, I'm more than fine with them having you know, John Cena be in the spotlight for maybe a little bit and have him in a long program with Roman Reigns here, with Roman Reigns obviously as the champion. What I do have a problem with, though, is this next match with Bobby Lashley and Goldberg. I understand Goldberg wrestles twice a year. He's basically the new Undertaker, essentially, when when it comes to uh, a booking schedule. He only wrestles like twice a year now. But, I mean, Lashley goes from wrestling Drew McIntyre to wrestling Kofi Kingston to now wrestling Goldberg. You really couldn't find anybody else better for SummerSlam? I mean, I understand Drew McIntyre is, you know, wrestling Jinder Mahal. Uh, He's involved in a feud with Jinder Mahal right now and he cannot challenge for the WWE title as long as Lashley is champion. But really, Goldberg? I mean, you couldn't have Randy Orton potentially feud with him? I know Randy is involved in a uh, in a program with Matt Riddle right now, but you couldn't have maybe... You couldn't, you couldn't maybe bring in Orton? Maybe uh, have Keith Lee, who just recently came back, because you, know, you you were starting to really build up Keith Lee before uh, he ended up taking an extended leave of absence. You were really building him up as this next big star. And now all of a sudden he's essentially an afterthought at this point. I mean, obviously they couldn't have Karrion Cross face off against Lashley because Cross just got brought up and apparently he's having a feud with Jeff Hardy for some reason. Uh, without his wife next to him, might I add, uh, which still pisses me off. But, I mean, Goldberg is basically known for just two things, a, a, a spear and a jackhammer. You're, I don't know how they'll be able to sell that with by having a mid-50s juggernaut or former juggernaut I should say back when he was in WCW and back in his first WWE run uh back in 2000 back in 2003 I mean that that's different if you have that type of Goldberg that's different but 
I mean, I just I don't see how you could convince people that this Goldberg now would be able to beat Lashley like he was able to beat Lesnar years ago. And I'm talking a couple of years ago when when uh, Goldberg ended up returning to the WWE. I just don't see why Goldberg has to be uh, has to be Lashley's next opponent. Like they seriously couldn't find somebody else to put in a short term feud with Lashley until they move on to the next uh, to the next program. Maybe it is indeed time for another shakeup, potentially. I know they're planning it for uh, some some point down the line. There's going to be another WWE draft to shake up the rosters. They might need it sooner with them running out of contenders, seemingly, for the WWE title on Raw. Usos against the Mysterios for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. I see the Usos retaining... You know, Mysterio's, it was good to have a father and son, the first ever father and son tag team champions, but the Usos hanging on to the titles makes sense because it has to, it goes along with their entire story of the bloodline holding all of the gold. And the only way they, the only way they can do that, obviously, is by having Roman and the Usos both win. And maybe perhaps with Naomi, maybe perhaps they may have an assist potentially by Naomi, as there has been a rumor going around that Naomi may be quietly headed over to the SmackDown brand to join her husband uh, in the bloodline. So that's something to potentially keep an eye on here moving forward. Uh, Bianca Belair against Sasha Banks. Unless Bianca's title reign has been going stale, I don't think it has, but unless it has, I don't see Sasha Banks regaining the uh, SmackDown women's title. I think it's probably going to stay on Bianca Belair uh, at this point, considering all of the investment that they put into Belair, making her look like such a huge star at WrestleMania. Edge versus Seth Rollins don't know which way this is going to go. Maybe this is just a way to a way to keep Edge away from Roman Reigns a little bit. Maybe this will help propel Seth Rollins potentially into the main event spotlight again, uh, as they did tease at one point that it would be Seth Rollins against Roman Reigns in the in the future for uh, the Universal Title. Maybe Seth Rollins will be next in line after John Cena. I don't know. Maybe if if Rollins ends up beating Edge uh, next week, that may be what we're looking at here. Sheamus defending his United States Championship against Damian Priest. This right here screams title change. As... Damian Priest, they've been trying to push him to the moon to where before he ended up having a uh, he ended up uh, having a leap of absence. For those who don't remember, he was involved in a WrestleMania program with Bad Bunny 
as Bad Bunny's tag team partner. Obviously, that got major headlines with Big Bunny, you know, actually wrestling a wrestling match and actually looking good while doing it, might I add. Uh, One of the rare celebrities who can actually wrestle and actually puts in the effort. Uh, It just seemed like ever since that program that they've basically been building up to eventually Damian Priest holding a championship on the main roster, whether it was the world title or one of the secondary titles. In this case, it seems right for Damian Priest to take the United States championship off of Sheamus. I'd be surprised if Sheamus doesn't, uh, or if Sheamus ends up winning this. And last but not least, we have Drew McIntyre against Jinder Mahal with uh, Veer and Shanky, uh, Jinder Mahal's allies being at ringside with him. This is basically a way for Drew McIntyre to recover from his multiple consecutive pay-per-view losses that he has suffered recently. And honestly, I thought that they were going to they were going to give the money in the bank briefcase to him and find some sort of loophole to where he can cash in on Bobby Lashley and get back into the WWE title picture that way. Luckily, WWE made the right decision and they went with Big E uh, to have the Money in the Bank briefcase. But with this program, uh, this just feels like a throwaway program to basically get Drew McIntyre back in the pay-per-view win column. Because it's clear they st- that Vince still sees him as a big-time star on the main roster, eventually they're going to get him back into the championship picture some way, whether that means uh, Bobby Lashley losing the title at some point and Drew McIntyre gets back into the title picture that way, or if he gets shipped over to SmackDown maybe and he ultimately ends up challenging Uh, Roman Reigns at some point. That's how I could see them potentially putting him back into the title picture. Otherwise, unless unless there's going to be some sort of funky finish here and Jinder Mahal somehow ends up winning and that creates basically a long-term feud for Drew McIntyre to be in while while he's waiting for basically that title to for that that ban on the WWE title picture to basically lift by having Bobby Lashley lose at some point which considering Lashley's reign is now up to 166 days could it be soon maybe it's also possible, though, that uh, his reign may continue all the way until WrestleMania. I mean, I've heard that they want to try and book Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns as these unstoppable monsters that, uh, you know, it's that it would be it would be hard to 
to dethrone either one. So I still think that eventually, you know, he ends up, uh, McIntyre ends up getting back into the title picture. But I still think, I, I think that there's the possibility that there could be a shaky sort of finish. There could be some sort of funky finish here uh, that ends up basically continuing this feud uh, into uh, for the for the uh, for the near future here, and we end up seeing Jinder Mahal uh, somehow emerge victorious at SummerSlam. Now, what's kind of weird here is that. SummerSlam is usually one of those pay-per-views that you that the WWE basically builds stars on. There's there's two pay-per-views every year that the WWE tries to build a star. SummerSlam and WrestleMania. And I guess what's weird is there's not really somebody that they could build up that they could build upon this year unless that unless that star is going to be Damian Priest maybe by having him successfully win a championship but either that or maybe they somehow have Big E uh, cash in on either Bobby Lashley or or Roman Reigns I still kind of don't see that happening either so I, I I don't know. It just, it seems kind of weird this year. But anyways, let me bring uh, Lou back in here. Uh, Lou, you just ended up you ended up missing uh, Kyle. He uh, he ended up calling in Aww. for a little bit. Uh, somehow he was able to get we have another no hitter time away from work. Yes, I. Uh, I've actually been been uh, been following. I believe it is the. Oh no, it's not the Mets game. It's the Arizona. Yep. Wow. Okay, so this is officially confirmed. Uh, Arizona with a seven to nothing victory over the San Diego Padres. The Padres have been no hit. Uh, with the uh, the no hitter belonging to Tyler Gilbert of the Diamondbacks going the full I don't get innings. It. I don't get it. How can a team that is the shittiest team in baseball all year throw a no-hitter? Well, you know how it goes. Usually the unlikeliest, uh, the unlikeliest <laughs> circumstances uh, present the unlikeliest results. I guess so. I mean, you don't enjoy a team that's 37 and 80 to throw a no-hitter. I mean, because you know they suck, so you don't expect anything to happen to them anyway. Yeah, especially with a team like the Padres, who have been in the thick of the uh, of the NL West race. Go figure. And you know they make all the they make all these moves like they've done, and yet all of a sudden they run they run into a uh, they run into into you know a a problem like they did tonight. Obviously, 
I mean, they have they don't have a prayer in hell to do anything, and yet they go no they get a no hitter. Yeah, I know. I find I find it uh, I find it kind of surprising myself. Uh, and actually, you no, know, this isn't just any pitcher. This is also a rookie too. Wow, Tyler Gilbert, a rookie, put on this performance. Welcome to the big league, rookie. And actually, it says here he becomes the fourth player in MLB history to throw a no-hitter in his first career start in the league. Wow. I mean, talk talk about a welcome to the bigs. Yeah, big time. Well, we did have two other flirts with no-hitters today. Uh, As a matter of fact, the Philadelphia Phillies, Matt Moore, uh, he was taken out of their game uh, after the sixth inning. He had thrown six innings of no-hit ball. And for Mm. some reason, I guess it must have been because of of his pitch count. He was up to like 76 pitches, I guess, and they decided for some reason to take him out after the sixth inning. Uh, we also had, I mean, he could, he still could have gone an inning or two more. You know, I was kind of surprised myself that they decided to, that they decided to take him out when they did, but I guess it's for the best because normally Matt, because normally Matt Moore is the type of pitcher that sucks apparently. So, you know, this was very, this was very different. Uh, of a game when it comes to normal games that you normally see out of them. Right. So not only only was he flirting with them. pitches, you know, well, uh, how many innings was was that before he got uh, taken out? Uh, He got taken out after the sixth inning. 76 pitches through six innings. That's still rather economical. I don't don't see a reason why he'd be taken out. That was – I think it was premature. Well, keep in mind, Joe Girardi is also their manager. So, okay, enough said. I think, I think, I yeah, I think that speaks for itself. Uh, when it comes Jack to, ass. yeah, exactly. Uh, we also had another pitcher uh, flirting with a no hitter today. Uh, Taiwan Walker of the New York Mets was flirting uh-huh. with a no hitter earlier today before he ended up giving. Uh, he ended up giving up a home run in the seventh inning, I believe, Oops. to uh, to the L.A. Dodgers. I want to say it was, yeah, it was uh, it was their catcher, Will Smith. He ended up giving up a home run uh, to Will Smith, and then he ended up getting taken out immediately after that, uh, after six and two thirds innings, and. Ultimately, though, the Dodgers did end up going to win an extra innings. Uh, yeah. But and not only that, it seems like Degrom is going to be another two weeks. Who's going to be another two weeks? Degrom. Degrom, yes, that's right. Yeah, so that's a, that's even more that's even more crippling to the uh, to the Mets' hopes of potentially staying in the thick of things. Yeah. Uh, in the NL East, and honestly, I mean, looking at their record, fifty-nine and fifty-seven, it's not. Yeah, it's. I mean, they're a game and a half behind, but 
Phil. Which it, also proves one I, thing, though, I'm, Steve. That the NLE yeah. division sucks. Exactly. I, I think that speaks more of the division than it does of of the entire National League as a whole. Yeah. Pitiful. So I guess the Mets are still technically in it. Yeah, if you believe it technically. But, I mean, I'm surprised that the Phillies are even in it at this point, considering the yeah. uh, the start to the season that they had. Uh, and Atlanta, you know, Atlanta not having uh, not having Acuna in the outfield. Yeah, that was gonna be a, I thought it was going to be a blow. I thought there's no way in hell they're going to do it now. Acuna was your was your star player, and he got injured. And they thought that would be down the water. Surprise. Yeah, no. Now, now all of a sudden, apparently, uh, apparently they're in first place, and they've been in first Go place for figure. quite a while now. Go figure. Now there, there is also one other big story that just actually dropped earlier today, involving uh, the LA Dodgers and Trevor Bauer. Uh, obviously, we know Bauer is currently. Uh, is currently on the commissioner's exempt list due to his uh, current uh, allegations that he has going against him uh, from this one woman. However, news broke today that, according to the Washington Post, he was the subject of a temporary order of protection sought by a different woman last year. And apparently sealed records, sealed court records were reviewed by the Washington Post recently. Uh, The Ohio woman, this goes back to when he was a member of the Cleveland Indians, apparently. Uh, The Ohio woman sought the order in June of 2020 after repeated threats from Bauer, according to her lawyer and records, which were obtained by the newspaper, by the Washington Post. Uh, the Post also obtained photos showing, showing bruises on the woman's face and blood in her eyes, injuries which were allegedly caused by Bauer punching and choking her without her consent during sex. According to the police report, the woman, tried, the woman tried to show police photographs of injuries to her eyes back in 2017, but instead she was arrested for underage drinking back then. Ah. And it's unclear, it's unclear if Police investigated her allegations, though, uh, and Bauer quickly denied the report earlier today, saying that the Washington Post was trying to create a false narrative and that the woman had tried to extort him last year to not come forward with her story. And he posted a whole bunch of screenshots on, on his Twitter account of, uh, of conversations the uh, iphone conversations that he had with the uh with the woman and i mean it's kind of a creepy story you know you want to talk about a stalker this woman i, I kind of feel like that even, even though uh he had a temporary order of protection put against him this woman yes. seems more like a stalker as opposed to a victim yeah i would think so too you know, they're always trying to get something, you know, a little something extra. You know, they 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 want publicity, they want money, so they're going to make – so I think half these stories are made up. You don't want to believe it anymore. 
Well, I guess apparently they did have some sort of relationship, but mm. uh, Bauer Bauer wanted to separate from her, and she basically, I guess she was in denial or something, and basically started stalking him, even even showing up uninvited to his new house in another completely different state. Yeah. We didn't stay in right But still though, this is you know, this is a bad, bad look on him. For for these oh, allegations yeah. Oh, yeah. to be similar for these allegations to be similar to the ones that he's already facing right now, uh the civil hearing for the temporary restraining order against him is set for August sixteenth through the nineteenth. So Actually, we should find out within the next couple of days what the result of that is going to be. Uh, yeah, and he does re- he does remain under administrative leave from the Dodgers organization uh, for this. And also, there's there's a rumor that apparently Dodgers players don't want him to return. I think I, heard I that. guess he wasn't. I guess he wasn't much of a locker room guy apparently. But that you know that doesn't really that doesn't really mean anything uh in regards to no, the uh no, in regards not. to the story here but what are your thoughts about this Luke? do you think it's do you think it's a little suspicious that a little this yeah. woman it's going to be a movie of the week that it, it sort of se- it sort of seems like this has been going on for a while with him with this yeah, new yeah. woman and you know, like I like I like I mentioned earlier, she tried to show uh, police injuries that she had suffered back in 2017. So it's possible that this may that this may have been, uh, you know, a long term relationship. And actually, wait a minute, hang on, let me let me go back to that. Okay, yeah. No, yeah, it was from injuries that she suffered in 2017. So this was obviously a long-term relationship uh, that Mm -hmm. Bauer may have potentially have been in with this woman. And it just seems really really convenient that this all of a sudden comes out while he's currently dealing with accusations from another woman. Right. But needless to say, I think it's I think it's fairly obvious that Bauer is probably, considering there hasn't really been any actual updates on his on his initial uh, uh-huh. incident that's being investigated. Honestly, I think that he probably won't play, he probably won't pitch another game this season. Be wise not to. I mean, I just from just from how long this investigation has been going on, and now this gets added on to everything. You know, that's just going to delay everything even further. So, it kind of makes sense now. You kind of have to wonder if the Dodgers knew that this was coming, because why else would they go oh, after they, Max they, Scherzer? Why else know. would they go after Max Scherzer at the trade deadline? Exactly. They knew it was uh, some other news. Yeah, exactly. But uh, some other news around the league. Uh, Baltimore Oriole Chris Davis uh, 
has officially announced his retirement from baseball. Uh, he had one year and $23 million remaining on his seven-year $161 million deal that he had signed with the Orioles back in 2016. I'm pretty sure that they're looking at that as a gigant now uh, with him basically having become a either home run or strikeout type of hitter. Um says here that he needed hip surgery back in May and he had not played a game this season after being just limited to 16 games last year during the shortened uh, campaign due to COVID, obviously. Uh, he finishes his career with 1,160 career hits and 295 career home runs uh, in his time in the majors. Uh, the Cubs, they released Jake Arietta from his deal uh, after yep. he – this comes after he was lit up for eight earned runs over just four innings in their blowout loss to the Brewers on Wednesday, uh, leaving him with a 6.88 ERA over a total of 20 starts for the year. And then if it if it, if it was if it wasn't getting any worse after that, he then called out an elderly beat writer for wearing a mask during the post game media session. Apparently, but regardless, uh, the Red Sox they designated uh, Marwin Gonzalez for assignment earlier this week. Basically. Uh, making room for Kyle Schwarber to be called up to the main roster uh, off of his uh, rehab assignment with uh, AAA Worcester. Uh, basically, he never got going at the plate this year, managing only a, uh, a .567 OPS over 77 games. He was He basically wasn't the same type of player that he once was for the Astros and the Minnesota Twins. No. So, this was probably uh, Heim Bloom's worst signing that he made as the general man, as the president of baseball operations for the for the Red Sox. Uh, also, the Giants and shortstop uh, Brandon Crawford have agreed on a two-year, uh, thirty-two million dollar contract extension. Uh, this week, the deal will keep him with the Giants through his age 36 season. Uh, he has definitely earned it this year, uh, having a 296 batting average with 19 homers and 69 RBIs, as well as nine stolen bases in what's considered to be the best offensive season of his career thus far. And he has spent all 11 seasons of his big league career uh, so far with Francisco Giants heading up to uh, this extension. Now, obviously, we are we are now going into the overtime. Uh, by, by the way, Lou, did you get to watch any of the Olympics uh, for oh, yes. for Olympic basketball? Yes, I certainly did. Even the final. Which was shown live, thank goodness. Well, what did you what did you think of uh, Kevin Durant basically putting Team USA on his back once again? Oh, yeah, and... he was. You know, he was our big hope. I mean, you know, 
there was a lot of doubting, you know, over our performance, you know, with the pre with um, the exhibition games and the first game against France, and everybody thought, like, oh, the USA doesn't have a prayer in hell this this time around to even get a medal. But Durant stepped up on accounting and he carried us through, and that's what that's what did it. So we show the world who's the best in basketball. Yeah, indeed, I mean, the, and actually, but the, cover, but the coverage of these games were pathetic. Yeah, I was uh, I was very disappointed that uh, most of the time, the only way you could view these games is if you woke up very early in the morning. I mean, I sometimes by did. the time I was by the time I was getting ready for work, these guys were starting the in some cases actually while I was asleep these guys were playing because I know right. some of these games started at one o'clock in the morning in the East coast. Cause I mean, right. obviously, you know, there's a, there's a 13, there's a 13 hour uh, differential between right. uh, the East coast and, and China. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, my biggest worry was that they were going to have another game like they did against France earlier in the in earlier in the Olympics when they basically showed yeah, they were completely stuck. flat. Yeah, basically. Right, right. But uh, we were lucky, though, that basically everybody showed up. Uh, Durant put yeah. the team on his back. They did get a couple of clutch shots very late by uh, Jason Tatum as well. Uh and Team USA walked away with the gold once again. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of have to wonder if they didn't have certain people pull out like they did, like with Bradley oh, Beal coming been, down with COVID. We would have killed them. Yeah, like with Bradley Beal coming down with COVID and everything, you kind of have to wonder if they yeah. didn't lose certain players uh, who had previously committed that maybe perhaps it wouldn't have been as close as it ended up being. Exactly. I mean, I understand, I understand why you pulled out and, you know, it made it a lot closer than, you know, most people thought it was going to be. I mean, if we had some of those players like Beal and whatnot, it would have been completely different. And we wouldn't, and I don't think we would have lost the game against France. And no one would be complaining, oh, come on, you guys suck this year. You don't have a prayer to win. Well, haha. <laughs> Think again, buddy. And the women won too. Yeah, that's right. Uh, they faced. I think. I think it was China, right, or was it Japan that they faced? Japan. Okay. Yeah. It was. It was. So it was Japan. And my understanding is it wasn't nearly. It wasn't nearly as close as the men's game was. No. No. I mean, the women. And I wasn't the women to be had that far way. superior talent. Yeah, the the women, uh, I if I recall correctly, just had the far superior talent uh, compared to all of the other uh, all of the other women's teams in the Olympics this year, well, which is to be expected. Uh, right, and I was mentioning um, on another program um, on a Thursday show I did, I came up with a quote from Ghostbusters one that uh, reminded, we came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Exactly, yeah. And that, that was the actual quote. That's what ended up. That's what, yeah, from uh, 
from uh, from Bill Murray. Um, yes. But yeah, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what the women's team did. And uh, actually, well, I you know I was going to mention baseball, but I forgot they lost to Japan again in the uh, in yes. the finals. Yeah. So. Uh, and the soccer team, well, team as, as well, the women's soccer team. Yeah. <sighs> disappointing. Very. So disappointing, especially uh, especially it being against Canada, of all teams, too. Yeah. Well, Canada. When Can- Canada doesn't nearly have the amount of players as the United States has. But at the same time, too, the United States is nowhere near close to, like, uh, Brazil, for example, or uh, Argentina, or, you know. Oh, you know what? While we're on the topic of soccer, damn, I should have brought this up when Kyle was on. What do you think about Lionel Messi and his separation from Barcelona? We got screwed. He could have came here to the U.S. and made MLS into a into a to a, to a sports frenzy. You wouldn't believe, but no, he had to jump ship and go to France. Thanks a lot, you good for nothing son of a bitch. Yep, he uh, he ended up signing with Paris Saint Germain, and you know it's so strange when you look oh. at his separation from Barcelona because. I mean, it had something to do with, I guess, uh, financial issues that they were suffering. Yes. I don't know what kind of financial issues because he's a... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 